On today's episode, we talk about Zeb Quinn and the Wineville Chicken Coop Murders. You're listening to Bad in the Boondocks, baby. Bad in the Boondocks. Bad in the Boondocks. People put it down, but what you're supposed to do in a small town. Bad in the Boondocks. Bad in the Boondocks. Lord, how much it can help me bad in the boondocks. Hey, and welcome to Bad in the Boondocks. As always, I'm one of your chipper hosts, Stan. And I am Drew. How's it going? Well, you're being an asshole today. I'm not. I basically I told him to record the first part that we always do, and he wanted to give me talk back. So I don't even care. Whatever. Anyway... Come on, guys. Get on those platforms, rate and review us. Yeah, we haven't been getting as many screenshots and entries lately. We also haven't been having as many listeners because people are dropping off and I don't know what we're doing wrong. I don't know. If anybody finds out what we've done, please contact us. So anyway, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Put us on your social media to help get the word out about us. Like I said, rate and review. Remember, our website is boondockspod.com. Yeah. That is dot .com, not com. Wow, you just had to add that in there, didn't you? All right. I think that is all. Also, visit Patreon or Himalaya Premium. Yeah, and those who didn't... Um, listen last episode make sure that you take a screenshot picture of your review five star and send it in to bad in the at gmail.com to be entered into our monthly um drawing for this month and at the end of the month we'll pick a random person who sent in and you win some merchandise of ours all right, I think it's your time to go first this week. Yes, it is. Then get into it. I will. I will. Good. I will. Good. Thank you. God. Anyways, I'm going to be talking about Zeb Quinn. The Super. Tom- <laughs> Thank you. That's whenever you decide to say something. The timeline surrounding his mysterious disappearance are truly odd and quite creepy. Um, he just got off of a shift from Walmart, and he had made plans with his friend that also worked there. Um, he had just made plans with him. Zeb Quinn, like many other high school students his age, had been looking for a new car to drive to on January 2nd of 2000, and at around 9 p.m., he planned on checking out a car he was thinking about buying. Robert Owens, which was the friend of Zeb, came along, followed Zeb to the lot where the vehicle was for sale. There is surveillance footage of the two teens outside of a local gas station at around 9.15 p.m. This would seemingly be the last time Quinn would ever be seen. They left the gas station. Quinn signaled Robert to pull over. Quinn said he got a um, message on his pager and needed to find a payphone. 
Now, this was before cell phones were prevalent. No. Exactly, exactly. Um, Quinn was apparently frantic after the phone call, Owen said. So he did talk. What? He did find a payphone. Yeah, he found a payphone. He pulled over. Mm -hmm. And then he sounded frantic after the phone call. But he didn't say what it was about? No. Anyways, that's based on Owen's words, said that he was frantic, He and said that he canceled their plan to check out um, the vehicle, and Quinn drove off in a rush, even rear-ending Owen's car in the process. Oh, hell no. And it actually, I didn't notice it, but it was a pretty bad... So he um, didn't just tap it? No, he ran into it pretty hard. He said that he would pay him back. Uh, yeah, you, I bet you will. You ain't going to get that new car now. Well, this is where the case starts to get even odder. He visits the hospital claiming that he had been in another car crash, which left him with multiple fractured ribs and a head injury. There were no reports of the second crash and were no reports, records by officials. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding? Oh, my God. Continue. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Please. Oh, my God. Whatever. I, I just got to keep on going. Please continue. <laughs> there were no... I don't know if I can't. <laughs> there were no records from officials or insurance companies. You just wanted to make it interesting, huh? You thought that I was boring? Well... <laughs> I'm trying to listen to your story. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> Zeb has never been seen alive again. Two days later, however, <laughs> why do you, Bo, I swear that was so loud. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I liked that little introduction in your story there. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Everybody does it. No, it was you. Don't no, it wasn't. <laughs> Whatever. Two days later, however, someone called into, um... <laughs> The Henderson Road Walmart, Hendersonville Road Walmart, where Quinn worked, pretending to be him, calling in sick. The co-worker who would answer the phone call could tell that this was not the voice of Quinn. And police were alerted and instantly questioned Owens again. He admitted to calling in and pretending to be Quinn, but he claims that Quinn told him to do so, but why would... Bob Quinn have his friend calling sick for him? It that, don't seems, make no, that ain't making no sense. seems that once again, Robert Owens is the main suspect. Owens in, insisted on his innocence, though, and maintained that this case so far seems like it would be a simple and obvious open and shut case. Oddly enough, this case just keeps getting more twisted. The alleged page that Quinn received that caused him to stop at a payphone turned out to be very real. Seb's aunt um, sent him a page that night, though it's a bit weird since they weren't very close. The page said she was having dinner with the girl that Zeb was very much in love with and her boyfriend. And rumor has it that the girl's boyfriend was very much the jealous type and um, abusive to her. Later that night, 
his aunt claims her home was broken into, but nothing was stolen. About two weeks later, Zeb Quinn's car was found and recovered in a nearby hospital parking lot. This was a hospital his mother worked at. Inside his car, officials found a mix of strange things. Among these things were strange bottles of strange bottles, a jacket that didn't belong to Quinn, a hotel key card that couldn't be traced, and even more odd, a live Labrador puppy. And on the windshield, on the back windshield, someone had drawn lips into an exclamation marks in lipstick. <laughs> that is quite odd. I don't know. However, I'm going to say this. I don't feel like you can really go about what you find in somebody's car only because, like, our vehicle, if anybody ever searched it. Looks it looks like shit. It is so much shit in there. I mean, you don't even know what the hell you'll find. You'll find a freaking needle. No, they won't find no needle. Now. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> not about. from drugs. But... I don't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> not, from, not from drugs. But you will find a plethora of stuff. Some of it could be from two years ago. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, some some people just go to the um, back of our truck and throw some beer bottles in it just yeah. to discard of them. Yeah. That's fine. And we are going to take one quick break. Zeb Quinn's mother thinks that the car was put there for her to find. The belongings found inside have not been traced to anyone or used for anything significant in the case. And this case remained unsolved and seemed like Zeb and his family's efforts were lost. Another 15 years went by. Hold on. It's hard for me to ask any questions because you're running into the next sentence immediately, so there's not really a chance for me to ask anything. D- is the father in the picture? No. Uh, okay. That's it, no. <laughs> just no. Um, And it seemed like this cl- case just had no hope. But... Once again, Owens came back up in the spotlight when police found the remains of three people in his wood stove. Three people? Yeah. These people were Food Network stars, Christy Schoen, Cod, Joseph Cod, and their unborn child. I, I don't think the unborn child was a Food Network. Um, Whatever. You know what I mean. But I've never heard of them. Okay. But I'm not big on the Food Network. I'm not neither. Owen was connected with them because they hired him to come and work on their home and had a trust in him to invite him to their wedding. With Robert Owens being the number one suspect in the Zeb Quinn case, there could be something to find out there on his property. Or he could have been done burned him up. Did you say, again, in the fireplace? Yeah. Just the three bodies, not Zeb's, though. But that was... uh... Go ahead. Okay. During the investigation of the case, officials found fabrics and unknown fragments under a concrete layer. Fortunately, we cannot say if these findings have anything to do with Zeb Quinn. But it says, fortunately... I think it's unfortunately. No, fortunately, because that means that there could be still a chance that he's somewhere. I don't think so. That's what I'm saying. If you ain't heard from him in 15... No, why would you say unfortunately? Because... Saying that he's... At least you found his remains and you... I mean, have some closure. I would say that. 
I would say, unfortunately, because I would, you know, to have some closure after yeah, that's 15, what I, 17 years. Well, that's, you asked me why, and I just told you why. Well, I just, I just said the same thing as you then. So, in other words, you're saying I'm right. Sure. <laughs> um, Robert Owens was tried for the death penalty, but pleaded guilty to avoid it and took life in prison instead. So, what happened to Zeb Quinn? Where did you where did he go after he left in a frantic rush? Did Robert Owens really get into another wreck that night? And do, did they never question the aunt to find out what that phone call was about? Because I feel like that's a key piece. They said that, yeah, about, it was about um the dinner at her place with the girl that he, that um Quinn was in love with. And then, which, here's another thing that could have happened. There's so many theories. So, like, the aunt was not close at all with him, but so then paged were- him and then called him about a dinner that they were having. And I suppose that maybe the dinner that they were having, the reason that she called was because she got she invited the girl that he was in love with and the girl and the girl's boyfriend. And the girl's boyfriend was a very abuse I think like abusive and mean. Well, usually if you're abusive so, you're mean. Here's another theory. Quinn could have Quinn could I mean the boyfriend could have found out that Quinn was in love with her. Yeah. And could have done something. No, but but for that dude to call in sick for him at work, I think he had something to do with it. Yeah, I, mean, I think he got I pissed off because he, really he hit the car. It. Yeah. maybe or Yeah, I don't I don't know any other reason why, honestly. But um, could those injuries really be, or could they be sustained from another struggle? Well, we may never know. Until this day, the mysterious disappearance of Zeb Quinn still remains unsolved. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah, well. And now a word from our sponsors. All right. And we're back. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and get into my little do diddle of a case. Have you ever heard of the movie The Changeling? The what? The Changeling. No. Okay, well. I've not. I might have. I don't know. Yeah, you have. The Changeling. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this is what it was based off of. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. The Notorious Wineville Chicken Coop Murders. They remain etched into the memories of all that was involved. The year? 1928. Oh. Southern California was experiencing an agricultural and entertainment business boom. Each was helping Los Angeles grow into a vibrant metropolis. And it was amidst this backdrop that a series of disappearances in L.A. and Riverside counties would reveal the heinous crimes of Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, Mm -hmm. born farmer Gordon Stewart Northcott. Northcock? Mm -hmm. Northcott. Oh, okay. The sheer brutality of his crimes mixed with the police department's rampant corruption would shake the community to its core. 
and lift the lid on the darker side of the City of Angels. In 1926, 13-year-old Sanford Clark was taken from Canada to Wineville, California, by his 21-year-old uncle, Northcott, to work on the man's chicken farm. Sounds fun. Not really. <laughs> Unbeknownst to his family, Northcott desired far more than cheap labor. Clark was soon subjected to severe, horrible sexual abuse inflicted on him by both his uncle and his great-aunt, Sarah Louise. However, worse was yet to come as Northcott's appetite for young flesh grew. He began a series of kidnappings, forcing his young nephew to help aid him in these insidious crimes. On March 10, 1928, 9-year-old Walter Collins had gone to see a film at a theater near his home. His mother, Christine, noticed his absence later in the day and went out looking for him. A neighbor saw Walter on the corner of Pasadena and North Avenues around 5 p.m., but beyond that, he had disappeared. When Christine called the police, they merely pointed out that 24 hours needed to pass before anything could be done. I don't think for nine years old it needs to be 24 hours. Exactly, because you're thinking, nine years old, they just ain't going to leave the house. No. Well, he wouldn't go see a movie. Oh. But well, he should have come back. Well, yeah. Yeah, for nine years old, he should have came back. But if you're looking at like a teenager or something, they could be. Yes, but I'm talking nine. Exactly. They could be gone. Two months later, on May 16th, brothers Nelson and Lewis Winslow, now they were aged 10 and 12, they went missing from their Panama home. In the coming days, the parents received odd letters claiming that the boys were heading to Mexico to seek their fortune. Huh. Because that's what 10 and 12-year-olds do. That don't even make no sense, though. Oddly, their scoutmaster also reported that they had run away to become cantaloupe farmers. you got to be joking with me. <laughs> Who would actually believe that? <laughs> freaking, Maybe in the 20s, freaking I Freaking cantaloupe farmers. <laughs> All three had been picked up by Northcott to work on his farm. Clark would later describe how his uncle would tell each boy that their parents had been in an accident and sent him to get them. If the boys were uncomfortable about getting in the car with Northcott, the presence of young Clark sitting in the passenger seat was enough to put them at ease. After being put to work for several months and subjected to sexual abuse by Northcott, the boys would be shot or bludgeoned to death by the Northcott or his mother. Oh, wow. Meanwhile, the missing boys' families were forced to deal with an inept LAPD. Chief of Police James Davis was under pressure to solve the case fast, but the push to deflect attention from their own corruption scandals led police to make matters worse. In particular, they followed several bad tips and ignored the actual connections between the crimes. Stupids. Stupids. <laughs> <laughs> you never heard that one before, have you? <laughs> For one, they focused on reports from a Glendale gas station attendant and another witness who claimed to have seen a dead boy in the back of a foreign couple's car. 
The pair had apparently stopped at the gas station to ask for directions before heading to the local police station and then speeding out of town. Although many others began calling in about a couple traveling cross-country with a captive boy, none led to any actual evidence. Authorities also focused on Walter Collins' father, who was serving time in Folsom State Prison for robbery. He believed that Walter had been killed as payback for his own reporting of infractions in the prison. As a result, police thoroughly searched the Lincoln Park Lake near where Walter Collins had gone missing, but they found no trace of the missing child. The main problem was that the authorities did not connect Collins to the Winslow brothers, much less the third case where a Mexican boy's headless body was found near La Puente. What kind of town is this? This is in California. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So was it in the... Wineville. I have no idea where that is. Is that made up of mostly um, Hispanics? No. No? Mm -hmm. It just sounds like that, based on how you're reading that. That's the first Hispanic person that I've said. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't know where Bonville is. Even worse, they failed to act on tips that a man was mistreating boys on his poultry farm in Wineville, including a complaint lodged to the local district attorney's office. Their incompetence set the stage for the events that followed. Walter's mother, Christine Collins, meanwhile outraged by the lack of police attention, went to the press and brought public scrutiny down upon the department. So, when a boy came forward claiming to be the missing boy in August of that year, police jumped on the potential good publicity. Although letters and photographs were exchanged beforehand, Christine knew upon meeting him that the boy was not her son. So, basically, they didn't do anything. But then whenever they, but then whenever the boy showed up, then they all of a sudden pretended like, oh my gosh, we found the boy. Well, yeah. For the good publicity. But it wasn't her son. It was a changeling. What is that? However, Captain J.J. Jones had already created a publicity stunt with the public reunion and so asked her to just try the boy out. Oh my God. That is, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's like... Three weeks later, she returned to Jones with dental records and signed witness statements that the child was not her son, Walter Collins. To avoid further scandal, the captain threw Collins into L.A. County General Hospital's psychiatric ward under Code 12, a term used at the time to commit inconvenient or unruly people. Hmm. Pioneering, okay, a changeling is like somebody that pretends to be somebody else. Okay, there you go. That's all I needed. Pioneering radio evangelist Reverend Gustav Brigglebaum and other members of the local community soon secured Miss Collins' release. Meanwhile, the fake Collins also admitted that his actual name was Arthur Hutchins and that he had taken on the boy's identity to help run away from the stepmother in Iowa. Collins was released after 10 days in the hospital, and she filed a lawsuit against the LAPD that she would later win for over $10,000, which back in the 20s would be a lot. 
That'd be like, that would be like a hundred thousand, a million. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you got to think you can buy a freaking, you buy something for a cent. Yeah, true that. For one cent. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, it's like one (laughs) hundred dollars. Well, it's not one hundred dollars. It would be like five dollars. So you got to think. But you could probably look that up real quick on your phone. One cent. So you got to think one cent times five dollars. What's that? Five hundred. One cent times five dollars. Yeah, that's one hundred, right? No, that's five hundred. I mean, I'm gonna say that's five hundred. So you got to do ten thousand times five hundred. That'd be. You're just making shit up. Ten thousand. I am not. Well, then just look it up. What am I supposed to look up then? I don't. You do you not even damn... know what you're talking about? Yeah, I know what I'm talking well, about. Well, that's what you should look up. How much was ten? One, two, three thousand dollars in nineteen twenty. I'm just gonna say five. How much would ten thousand dollars in nineteen twenty eight be worth today? A hundred and forty three thousand four hundred eighty nine. Wait, hundred and forty three thousand four hundred eighty nine. Point sixty two cents. So I was the one way more right because I said a hundred thousand. Well, that's a lot of money though, if you think way less about than it. What you said. Well, I was just figuring up one penny, you know. With the onset of autumn, the pieces of the puzzle finally came together. In September of nineteen twenty eight, Sanford Clark's mother, Winifred, reported her nephew as kidnapped to American authorities. His sister, Jessie, had come worried after receiving troubling letters from her brother. She traveled to Wineville. What she found was so disturbing that upon her return to Canada, the family reported the story to the representative at the American consulate. Sounds like a messed up town. Sounds pretty boring. Who dispatched the Los Angeles police to the chicken ranch. After taking Clark into custody... Officials soon heard his horrifying tale. After arriving on the farm, his uncle had begun sexually and physically abusing Sanford. Earlier that year, though, Northcott had begun abducting more boys. After months of hard work and sexual abuse, the boys would be taken to the incubator room to see baby chicks, and then they would be shot or brained. Brained? Yes, you know, like shot through the head, through your brain or whatever. You know, like with the arrow thing, like they do to animals. Oh, my God, that freaking sucks. Because, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's got the little yeah, it's, it's got a little thing, and then it's a circle, yeah. and, then it's, yeah. and then it shoots the thing through your head. Mm-hmm. Wow, that would. <laughs> Be like, my brain's too small, you missed. <laughs> <laughs> really? The deranged Northcott and his mother even forced Sanford Clark to participate in their crimes, claiming that his helping in any wary, oh, his helping in any way would make him equally guilty. Afterwards, the bodies were dipped in quicklime and buried near the chicken coop or dropped off in the desert. Detectives dug up the blood-soaked soil and found only remnants of the lost Winslow boys, including hair, some fingers, 
and some bones, wow. along with an axe and hatchet stained with human and chicken blood. Dang. The Winslow Boys' library book, Boy Scout Badges, and letters were found in the Northcott house, though nothing remained of the Collins boy. With their crimes unearthed, Gordon and his mother, Sarah Louise, fled to Canada. On September 20th, they were captured in British Columbia and confessed at last to their heinous crimes. While Gordon described killing five boys, his mother described killing and burying Walter Collins. Over the coming months, both would alternately recant and expand their confessions to up to 20 murders. On February 8th, Gordon Northcott was convicted of first-degree murder for the Winslow boys and the unidentified Mexican child. Before he was executed by hanging on October of 1930, Christine Collins was able to confront him once about her missing son. However, he mocked the grieving mother, claiming to have never touched Walter. Sarah Louise was granted mercy because she was a woman and sentenced to life in San Quentin. Really? Sexist. So you want to talk about equality and stuff like equality. that. Equality. <laughs> equality and stuff it. like that. That's bullshit. I know it is. However, she received early release. Wow. And faded into obscurity. obscurity. What does that mean? Into nothing? Yeah. Faded into just nothingness. Okay. Although justice was seemingly served to the Northcotts, bullshit. Yeah. The families of the abducted boys were given little resolution. Christine Collins remarried but never had another child. She continued her search for Walter for the rest of her life. Sanford Clark was deeply scarred by his experiences. Eventually, he married but chose to adopt rather than pass on the genetic line that had produced such monsters because he was related to Northcott. So he didn't want. Was to, that the nephew? That was the nephew, yeah. Oh, so he still lived. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. Hutchins, the changeling, became his own man, writing about his impersonation in 1933 and becoming a California-based horse trainer and jockey. Wineville itself was wiped from the map. Yeah, it sounds like a They pretty... changed the name to Mira Lorna, or View from the Hill. They want, they didn't want to keep the name because of how infamous it was. Because that's, a, of... that's a retarded town, man. I mean, it's just crazy. The memory of the chicken coop murder still lingers, though. Books... Like, Nothing is Stranger, With You and the Road Out of Hell, detailed Northcott and Clark's experiences, respectively. Similarly, radio series like Dragnet and various television shows have based fictional storylines on these events. But most recently, Clint Eastwood's movie, The Changeling, from 2008, Illustrated Christine Collins's traumatic experience in confronting corruption. Each one reflects upon the cost of development and the unknown mutations of the mind that can lead human beings to commit such gregarious crimes.
crimes. Sounds like a pretty haunted, kind of like haunted place, you know, like one of those towns where it's like the people and everyone inside of it is sort of like in its own world, you know, own society. Yes, kind of like the hills have eyes. A wrong turn. Exactly. It's like that. Yeah. It's like that. It's like wrong turn before there was wrong turn. Exactly. Before they turned wrong. It's chicken coop. (laughs) Don't be going into that coop, boy. No, anyways. Oh, yeah. Because I was just about to say, oh, you can make a movie out of that. And they already did. (laughs) Well, anyways, um... Let's see. I forgot what I was about to say. What were you going to say? I wasn't going to say nothing. Well, anyways, I'm pretty damn burnt. I ain't going to lie to you. Yeah, he got burnt because he got in the tanning bed for too long. Well, the freaking guy told me to stay in there for 10 minutes, okay? You got in there for 8 minutes. The guy told me, well, I said I'm pretty damn white here. Oh, how long should I go in? And he said, well, the max is 12, so I'll probably go on there for about 10 minutes. And Drew said, okay. <laughs> okay, I'll do 10. And I went and in there. Did 10. And I did 10 minutes. And needless to say, my ass hurts. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. That's all I got to say about that. Well, y'all. We love you. Please leave us a review. Tell your friends. Put us on social media and the likes. We yeah. need some listeners. We really we need them a lot. Yeah. We're getting pretty bummed. It's, it gets very depressing. Very depressing. Hard to move on whenever you... Uh... Yeah, you kind of want to stop. Yeah, so give us some inspiration, please. Inspiration. I said inspiration. Uh. <laughs> give us some hope. Give us something. Please. Nothing bad, though. Nothing bad, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All, All right. right. Y'all, we love you. And um, I've been Stan. And I'm always Drew, and we'll see you next time. How did they do? Bye. I'm just kidding. I hate no. people do that. <laughs> you didn't say your part. See ya. See ya. Okay. <laughs>